Hey, Hector, how you doing? Hey, Mike, how are you? Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I uh, I got too tired the past two weeks. I couldn't make it for some reason. And you guys held the fort with some amazing guests the past two weeks. Did you get, you get to watch the episode? Yes, I was blown away. So jealous. I didn't get to get any time with Rich. And, but I, was, I wanted to thank you. Let's um, do some... How you did it. That's let's do a great. quick... So a quick recap of a couple of things worth worth mentioning. Yeah. So last last week's episode was about an hour and a half. We, we went long. Um, we did about 35 minutes with Rich Priest, who is the vice president of QuickBooks Operations or something like that. Pretty <laughs> high up there in the QuickBooks world. But also spearheading the QuickBooks Live, you know, Intuit selling accounting services to the world business. So I think it was uh, interesting to hear him say, and also um, he was very candid. So I really like the fact that he did say some things that, that don't necessarily, you know, sound nice, but 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 it's he had to say it right. right. You know, what, what their intention is, um, and this week was crazy. Social media was nuts. Twitter and Facebook people talking about the level of disappointment about oh yeah seeing QuickBooks get in this business is huge. Um, for the most part. I think, unfortunately, Intuit is making way too many changes, too many fast. Yes, I agree. And I think people are conflating exactly what they're frustrated about. It's just the the vast number of changes. And you know what? We've been talking about this for a while. You know, the number of changes that you're about to see are just going to, it's going to get to the point that from one month to the next, you won't recognize the software. I mean, it could be that much And, and all accounting companies are probably going to go that route where they're going to make very fast changes based on what the market is telling them. So, um, so with that, we, we wanted to talk about, well, you know, what happens when the rug is pulled under us and what we had, we had a very comfortable business that looked a very specific way. What happens if the industry shifts and it goes in a different mm-hmm. direction? So we wanted to talk about uh, diversification. How do we diversify? Right. What does that look like? You know, does that require some experimentation? So you want to start talking about your experience with that? Yeah, you know, um, you know, so, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I run an online bookkeeping firm. Bookkeeping and, and, and advisory service are, are bread and butter, but bookkeeping is the majority of reasons why customers come to us and to see a player like Intuit experiment in it and whatever their intentions are, I want to, you know, I want to try to believe the best in people and messaging, but the reality is you've got to, um, you've got to diversify and you've also got to um, uh, create your business and position it in a way where it can survive any, anything. And so we've done a few things um, on diversifying. Uh, one is I've had a few staff members uh, start looking at zero and become zero certified. So start looking at alternative software, um, so that we can stay uh, relevant. And then also, we're also looking into going up market. So we're looking at um, a, a program like Intact and seeing what their accountants programs like, um, because those enterprise levels programs, those, those companies are never going to provide <laughs> accounting and bookkeeping services unless, you know, unless they see a lucrative opportunity, but they're making so much money on software implementations right now they want to stay out of that game. So we're looking at that partnership program as well. So diversifying our offerings on what we can offer. Um, and then I, from experimentation, I actually have done in the past 
two months, uh, whether I should have or not, I uh, took on two major inventory um, inventory uh, um, conversion um, conversion um, projects, moving people from QuickBooks on Enterprise to QuickBooks Online, and using Zapier for automation. So I'm le- I'm learning Zapier. I'm learning a lot about inventory more than I than I knew before. To with two paying clients that are are basically paying me to learn and teach and apply uh, my learnings for their benefit, and seeing if we can create a repeatable process around um, those type of larger scale e-commerce clients and inventory clients. And so that's some of the things we're 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 starting with. Um, to diversify our offerings and so that we can start going up market in the chance that into it's successful, which they will likely be on some level and it will impact our business on some level. Um, so we want to go after the customers that see the value that we're offering in, in, in the services that we, we offer. How about you, Hector? With the, when you think about that, this idea big of diversifying, topic. yeah, it's a big topic. It's a big topic and, and it's sort of serendipitous because I was in Chicago a couple of days ago and where it actually snowed for a day randomly in uh, late April. And I went to a conference called From Fight- Firefighting to Fire Insurance, which is kind of a huh. pro- provocative name to talk about the type of business services that are proactive, that are subscription-based. You know, you're there to provide the assurance that nothing goes wrong instead of being out putting fires all day long, which is pretty much every day of my life. But um, th- this, this conference was organized by a group that, that used to be a bunch of Sage 100 consultants. And then it became sort of an independent thing, but 90% of them were Sage 100 consultants. And I was talking to, to them and I was asking them how, how they, they were tackling all the changes in the market and the apps. And they were saying, you know what? Our customers, which is a very specific mid-market base of customers, are not really being affected by all these change. You know, they, QuickBooks is not in their market. Extra apps are not a thing. Right. Because they, they buy this $50,000 software that they pay an extra $20,000 a year to add custom programming to it. So it's a whole other ballgame. And, and, and it got me thinking, you know, these people look pretty happy. So <laughs> it got me thinking, you know, it's, is there a market for me to take a look at mid-market? We're talking about beyond QuickBooks Enterprise. So I made a couple of good contacts, which is great. So I may have some people to refer business to, but there was a couple of names that resonated. Uh, a few people were, were already working with Acumatica. They were talking about the software package called Acumatica. Again, a couple of layers above QuickBooks Enterprise in the, in the mid-market world. And a few people were talking about Epic Core. So it looks like the market's a lot smaller, but the number mm-hmm. of specialists is a lot less. And, and also customers are are not as price sensitive. You know, they, they were all talking about 25,000, 50,000, 75,000, 100,000. Those are the numbers that we're throwing out there when they were talking about engagements. And in my world, even with my top, top QuickBooks Enterprise engagement that I ever done, which was 25,000, you know, this was the bottom of, of their end. So I think wow. mid, mid-market mm-hmm. uh, and most and the companies were mostly selling to big boxes. So people, small companies selling to Walmart, to Home Depot. Um, there, were, there were manufacturers that were selling to multiple uh, businesses, multiple vendors. So these, these wholesale distributors that sell to big boxes, manufacturers and big e-commerce companies 
have a lot of need for integration, accounting, automation. And unfortunately, you know, the, the QuickBooks world can't, can't support that. Now, I'm not jumping ship. I love QuickBooks. I will still create QuickBooks videos. I, you know, I bleed into a blue or green, whatever the color is. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I am starting thinking about diversifying for sure. Uh, that is just something that um, not, not diversifying from the perspective of something, an alternative to QuickBooks. I just mean an alternative to market shifts. You know, like if the small business market shifts to wanting to pay a big company $200 a month, that's then going to subcontract a bunch of bookkeepers for 20 bucks an hour or whatever. And I can't compete with that. Then I have to shift myself to the, to the middle market or a different target. Uh, customer. So I, that's just the way I, I see it now. And as much as I love uh, the company and I love into it, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm getting to the point that I, I can no longer say that I'm going to be a single vendor consultant because they're, they're showing us that <laughs> there, there isn't an opportunity for you to just be a single vendor right. consultant without right. any competitor from the same vendor. Right. So, so as much as I love into it and into it employees, I got to give it straight. This is we're seeing there's nothing else i mean there's no way no other way to call it two of my customers were signed up to bookkeeping life two of them i I was like my customers (laughs) my customer list how is that even possible right so so now did intuit maliciously target them no you know my customer probably stumbled upon it hit yes and applied and, and got the offer and got the email so you know um looking at other software programs not as an alternative to quickbooks but I would say as an alternative to the market, to the target. Right, right. And also I'm swimming upstream on the manufacturing world. I'm, I'm getting more and more complex manufacturing companies that are asking for things beyond QuickBooks Enterprise. So that's why I'm thinking about diversification, but we can look at diversification in other ways as well mm-hmm. on, on how we serve our customers. Right. So, so let's talk about that. You know, like without jumping ship and changing software or changing target markets, what are some of the ways that you've been thinking about diversifying within your current market, within the current technology stack? Yeah, no, that, that's a, actually a really great question. And yeah, so for, for one is uh, we have, we have gone a little upstream, but two is like I mentioned, can we start utilizing Zapier more? You know, I've ne- I'd never had a, uh, I never tried to offer um, Zapier services. Can, can you right? roll back for a second, just yeah. for the, the folks that know what Zapier is? Yeah. Don't know the context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Zapier is basically a connection tool, right? It's a middleware tool that connects apps to each other. It connects cloud apps to each other. So uh, a, a very basic example, um, and what most people do Zapier, Zapier use Zapier for is they use it for internal purposes. So for example, at Reconciled, um, we built a Zap. You call them a Zap every time you build an autom- automated connection. We built a Zap to where if a customer signs a contract in Practice Ignition, which is our contract software that we use, then Zapier um, immediately knows that uh, Practice Ignition, um, a customer signed because Practice Ignition is connected to Zapier that that signed contract triggers an action in Zapier to um, create folders in multiple other apps that we have access to, right? So like Google Drive, ShareFile, things like that. 
I even have a little Slack bot that Zapier um, sends a message through into Slack, into our sales channel and says, and it's called always be closing. That's the Slack bot. And it says this customer just signed a contract. So now the whole sales team, everybody in the sales channel can celebrate and say, Hey, a new client. And then that triggers the client onboarding team to do their next step. Uh, so you can make that as simple or as complicated. That's a simple you know, thing where you are notified a new client sign and it, op- it starts creating the folders and the access you need the client to have and your team needs to have without you having to do manual work, which is what we most of us do today. Um, so my salesperson being the brilliant guy he is, he decided to try to sell some larger scale projects and they included um, automating uh, our client's processes or potential client processes using Zapier. So we're charging, you know, in these first few projects um, on an hourly basis to figure out how long it takes us to build these apps and, you know, simple to complicated ones. And then can we start packaging basically fixed zaps that we've built already and we know how to build and go to people with specific apps and say, Hey, if you're on big commerce and you're trying to get wholesale invoices auto created from big commerce to QuickBooks, we've built that and we will sell that zap to you for your systems for a flat fee of a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars or whatever. Um, so when so, you say yeah. sell the SAP, means yeah. you will create a Sapier account for them, and you will basically, I guess, configure Zapier, it. Yeah, configure, configure it, it yeah. the same way you did it for the other customers. Exactly. Yeah. So now once, because once you do it once, it's basically copyable. It's like it's like code, right? The only thing you have to do now is connect it to their QuickBooks file in their e-commerce system, their specific license. But other than that, everything else is the same. All the fields, you've basically built code and Zapier runs it. And so, you know, that that allows for us to con- start competing with those who are trying to offer automation. Well, Zapier is a form of automation and allows us to provide an offering that might save a bunch of time and, cr- and replace a manual process at a client um, that comes to us. So that's one way we're trying to diversify the experience is Hey, let's let's do complete something related to accounting, but is actually trying to remove manual work, and that's that's the power of Zapier. And, and I think that's a, that's a good point too. Like you said, related to accounting, right? I think that we should like, you know, maybe put the word accounting and bookkeeping aside, and let's just talk it related to the business workflow because right, right. that's what you're doing. You're not right. necessarily. It, it's not necessarily. I mean, it, it can be related to accounting. It doesn't have to be related no. to accounting, but what happens is as an accountant, if you ask questions about every step of the process, how do you make money? How do customers come in? How do you record a sale? How do you record an estimate? How do, how do you record a communication with your customer? How do you translate this email information a request into a, a, a price quote? You know, when you start asking questions like that, you start getting inf- information that's beyond the accounting, but eventually affects accounting. But if we like step back and say, look, before we even talk about accounting, let's understand the business workflow aspect. Correct. And then you're not even coming up with new things. You're no. taking what they're already doing. Okay. They are already yeah. using Gmail. They're already using BigCommerce. They're already using whatever CRM software. You're taking what they're doing now. You're, you're checking out the Sapier website or maybe similar uh, interconnectivity pro- products. Already talk to that software. 
and then you're you're experimenting to see what fields can you grab from it and trigger new information going into QuickBooks or from it. All you're doing is helping your client do less data entry, not totally. necessarily accounting. Correct. Um, but what's interesting though, I think that if you can save somebody time from their salespeople that get paid a lot of money or from the owners that most of the time are the salespeople, instead of just saving time from their internal bookkeeper, that could be even more valuable than the work that you do on the accounting side, can it? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, think about saving the salesperson time they have to spend in a CRM, right? Uh, time they have to spend updating contact information or time they have to spend um, going out to LinkedIn to start prospecting. What can you do in their process? And accountants are, and people in our profession are great at this. We think systematically through process and through workflow, right? So we have a natural uh, knack for thinking through step-by-step processes, um, whether it's entering data, entering an invoice, entering a bill, um, creating a customer invoice. You can ask those same kind of questions um, with supply chain, with HR processes, with uh, sales processes, marketing processes. And so we just seem to have that, that, that default ability to do that. And you're, you're, you show yourself, uh, you show yourself valuable, not just in accounting and booking anymore, right? You show yourself valuable in their whole, how can they automate their whole, their whole business um, and, and provide uh, so that the, your customer can spend more time doing more valuable things than, than data entry. Um, so yeah, so that's, that, I think that's, that, that's really interesting. And that's one, another way to diversify the experience. Um, yeah, Hector, have you, have you recently experimented with anything recently in regards to new inventory tools or um, some, some method that you've used and you said, Hey, I'm going to try this out. Is that something you do every day? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm experimenting with, I don't want to call it pricing, but I mean, I'm, what I'm experimenting now, this is, uh, this is my new thing. You, you, may, you may hear me talking about this in the future a few times. I'm experimenting with what I call the Costco model, right? Mm-hmm. So like what I want, I want to figure out how do I get people to pay my firm some sort of membership fee, monthly or annual, just to be, to have access to the firm. And access could be, something as simple as asking for a price quote on a project or asking for a price quote on a new tax return, a new entity, or asking to solve some sort of QuickBooks problem. I'm experimenting with the concept of not being open to the general public and and having a narrower group of people that say, yes, I find value on having access to your team to give me a quote or a proposal to solve my problem. Because one of the things that we do a lot is we give a lot of value to Mm non-customers in order to get the business. And I get that if you're trying to grow your customer base, but my firm is in a different situation. We are not trying to grow our customer base. We're trying to figure out how to serve the multiple amount of requests that we get per day. Like we get more requests per day that we can even handle. Like it takes us three, four days to answer some of these people. Now, they're not all customers. They're not all, here's my money, you know, here's the task. They all require some massaging, some talking to. And a lot of times, just the 20, 50-minute conversation we have with them, talking through their ideas, already solves their problem, already sends them 
in the path and then we get screwed out, you know, the potential revenue there because all we did is ask, like our team has gotten so good at asking questions mm. that our questions are the answers. Right. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the answer right there. Yeah. It's the answer, right? Like, you know, some people say, hey, my bank is not reconciling. And you'll say something like, well, did you undo and redo last month? They're like, oh, I'll call you back. And then they don't, <laughs> they don't call, call me. Yeah, they don't call you back. So it's not something, and it sounds, it sounds simple, but my firm, because of how well we do our marketing, and by the way, all my marketing is, is a bunch of free videos on YouTube. Right. And because of how well the marketing works, we get a lot of phone calls and we, we, we get to the point that we can't manage the leads and we don't know how to turn them into business unless, unless we spend some time with them to try to figure out the problem. And then we're losing a lot through the process. Mm. So that's the first thing I'm experimenting. And that's why I went into that conference. So what we did is, what I do is I, I have my email out. My email is public in all of my uh, videos. The minute somebody emails me something from a video, that's a lead, right? Somebody will say, I've been watching your bank reconciliation video. I have a question about the credit card that has sub accounts and I can't figure it out. Usually I will say, well, I can spend two minutes and answer that question. I'm leaving a lot. I'm leaving just so much money on the table. Mm -hmm. So we respond, we literally respond. I'm sorry, I can't find your email in our member list. Um, you know, in, in order to become a member, it's a hundred dollars a month. It gives you unlimited free email technical support, or we at least attempt to answer it. And then we'll give you a special price list to access our services at a discounted rate. And we got like five people on it. So not bad, right? So we started yeah. getting three people. So that was our first experiment. Then what we said is, look, if, if we got five people on it, what if we offer people to pay a whole year instead of hundred dollars a month and we give them some sort of a deep discount. So we went out to all five of them and say, hey, we can offer you the whole year for 720 instead of 1200 and to pay the whole year. Wow. So that's what I'm experimenting with. Literally, it's just offering people different choices. Now you have to, you don't just offer air, right? Like I, I exchange <laughs> you value. You got to deliver, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I exchange value. I said, I will answer all your emails or at least attempt to or give you the pathway to solving your problems. Hey, and the month that I can't, I'll refund you that, you know, the month that you stop being a member. And, and from those five people, like two or three of them hired us two or three times already for one-on-one -on -one tasks. So that's my new experiment and I'm, I'm, I'm exposing it to the world, although I feel it's pretty, pretty internal, pretty good know-how, just because at the end of the day, that's not that innovative. I don't think it's, there's that much, you know, uh, that much magic to it, but, um, but how we figure out how to add value within that monthly or annual subscription, it's going to be the key. That's, that's where we're going to be able to stand out from the crowd and people will be willing to pay a membership literally for nothing just to be able to access the accountant. So that's one of the things yeah. we are experimenting with and, and, and thinking through. And you know, for some customers it has worked, you know, I guess we have to wait a few months, call the customers and say, Hey, how, how did it go? What else we can do? Um, I'm also, you know, because I have a library of content, we actually pulled videos out of YouTube. I used to make everything public. Now I decided to pull about 10% of my content. I took not the best, but I kind of handpicked what I think is the most advanced stuff, the most insightful stuff. And I, I pulled it out. I, I, I delisted it and then I put it in a portal and, I, and I'm making it for sale separately. Mm. But if you subscribe, I give you access. To oh, that's that. great. So that's, the, that's experiment number one. I'm going to give you experiment number two. 
or, or do you want to, do you want to do one before I do the next one? Yeah, no, I was going to say that, um, uh, so I'm, I'm part of this, uh, future firms group that Thrival's putting on and Jason Blummer is the, the coach of it. And, um, so one of the things he, he, he challenged everybody was, Hey, you're going to come to this, uh, you're going to come to this summit in, um, in two weeks and this month. And we have, as part of this group, you have to go twice a year. So we go in the summit and he challenged everybody in the group. And there was, you know, there's only a handful. There's only like, uh, four or five firms. And they said, um, come up with a service, name the service and offer and try to sell it before you come to the conference and sell, sell at least enough or more to pay for your whole time here. Okay. So basically he gave a really small goal, come up with a service, name the service, sell it and get that signed so that it pays for your conference. And so your travel, your everything, right? So I, uh, I took that encouragement and I basically put together a, uh, a coaching package for about $6,000. And, um, I, uh, I try to figure out, okay, who do, who do I talk to about this? And I, I was able to find a, uh, a, uh, I was, I, I happened to get referred to me a, uh, a couple that was new to the kind of bookkeeping accounting firm world. And they wanted coaching. They wanted mentoring from somebody who's been there. So I talked to them and took kind of Jason's advice and proposed to them this, um, you know, monthly mentoring coaching package for a year. Um, and they bought and they signed. And that was just like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize just forcing myself to go through that process um, made it, made it very easy and very tangible to say, what, what can I do? And not only is it, is it covering, not only is it going to cover my, my travel and conference for in two weeks, it's going to travel almost all my travel and conference fees for the whole year. So everything that I'm going to attend and then some it's covering. So I'm just like, wow, that was really easy. Now it's, now I'm, I feel like I'm almost forcing myself to figure out how to do it, how to do the next experiment, um, uh, for you know, the next experiment or the next offering. So yeah, well, that makes sense. Andrew, thanks for joining us finally. And uh looks like you just woke up from a nap or something like that. You doing okay, buddy? <laughs> we can't hear you at all yet, but uh you're muted. Hopefully you'll join us. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I totally fell asleep. <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> yeah, one of those things you lay down, and you're like, oh, I'm just gonna rest my eyes. I, I full on even set an alarm. <laughs> right through the alarm my wife comes up and she's like are you supposed to do your thing i'm like oh, I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. better late than never so, man that's awesome you, you can go back to sleep michael and i are, are, are you guys are, you guys got this one yeah we, yeah, we yeah. got this but but we would love your input yeah so um so let me just say what i'm gonna say and then maybe maybe you'll get the context um so we're talking about what experiments how we've done to specifically to diversify our revenue sources beyond you know what we're used to and we we briefly talked about like other software packages that we're looking at um you know with the whole intuit debacle that we had to go through this week um but i want to i want to mention something else so i i did another experiment last month where i but first of all i got out of qb power hour which is a webinar series that i created five years ago with michelle long and it was a free cpe webinar every other week a lot of people pretty much got to know me through that webinar series. And it also became 
uh, a great source for my content in YouTube. So I pulled out a Cubic Power Hour, gave it back, gave it to Michelle. We had our arrangement and I created a separate webinar series that was two hours long, once a month. So I did one last month. But I realized that accountants love uh, the slides of all the webinars. They obsess over the slides of the webinars. Every time we don't make the slides available, I get hundreds of emails. Hey, where are the slides? How do I get the slides? So I said, you know what? I'm going to take the most valuable things from the webinar. I'm going to put those behind the paywall, but I'm still going to make, fundamentally, I make a lot of my content free. I'm going to make the live webinar free. So I'm doing the webinars for free if you sign up live and if you watch them live. But if you want to watch the recording or you want a copy of the slides or the CPE certificate, which I'm managing manually now, that you have to be a subscriber. So that's, that was my experiment. I said, do you think that my tribe, the people that have followed me in QB Power Hour forever are going to now pay for something that they're accustomed to, to, to getting for free? And you know what? Surprisingly enough, um, I, I, I offered what I think was a pretty good deal. It was you know, $100 a month or $300 for the whole year, which I think is a great deal. And I had like 30 or 40 people sign up all in one shot. So I'm extremely you know, happy that people did it. So, you know, thank you to the folks that did it. But it also comes to show that if you create value in the marketplace and then you show you have a very strong offering and you give a good deal and you still have both the free and the premium version available, <coughs> give, give people choices. I think people like that because at least you don't alienate people immediately. Because my first feeling was I should just make it pay. Like if you access it, you need to pay. That's it. So I figured, well, you know, what about a hybrid? So that's what I came up with. That was my second experiment. So if you want to comment or maybe, uh, Andrew, you want to jump in and talk about any experiments that you have done or you're thinking about doing to diversify. Wow, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Um, I think it's a great way for you to continue to add value, offer this sort of freemium model where you got people can still enjoy the content, but if they want, the premium they want to get, the repeat they want to get, the slide decks, they got to pay. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, I wish my experiments had been as intelligent as that. Uh, I guess what's what's our biggest uh, experiment? Our biggest diversification experiment was um, bookkeeping uh, and offering uh, full-fledged uh, or full life cycle services because prior to... Uh, four or five years ago, all we did was accounting. We didn't even offer bookkeeping services. Um, and then after I sort of had my dad and I sort of butted heads and uh, departed ways, um, we started offering bookkeeping services. So that was sort of probably our biggest experiment, but I don't even know if it was really an experiment as much as it was just a natural evolution. So it's kind of hard for me to call that an experiment. Um, I guess the next one we're sort of doing right now is um, moving into more coaching programs. So uh, I just finished um, a certification process yesterday. So it's really, really new. And in fact, we haven't even offered it. That's how new it is, um, is uh, a new coaching program through a program that I was introduced to by Jeff Borchois. So I don't know if many of you know him. Um, it's called the Value Builders Program with John Warlow. So I think some of you have heard of him. And in fact, I think 
I, I hope I hope it's okay to name drop here because he's he's told me he'll come join us on Friday Night Live. So we're gonna get him on here uh, sooner or later. And he's done some really interesting things. Um, automatic customer, um, built to sell, some really good books out there um, on how to increase value in your in your practice, which I think is applicable for uh, accountants and bookkeepers. Uh, but we're gonna be taking this model um, that he's built for helping small business owners get the most out of their practice or business before they sell it. And we're going to be bringing it uh, not to our clients um, who are actually much, much smaller than this sort of ideal target market of the built to sell model. Um, but we're going to be bringing that as a value add service service uh, to our multiplier. So our multiplier for our business are staffing agencies. So we get a lot, we drive a lot of our revenue, about a third of our new clients, uh, come through staffing agencies. So staffing agencies place independent contractors who are our end clients at their client sites for for full-time uh, contract opportunities. And so what we're going to be doing is offering this coaching program um, as a, at first, nothing like pure value add because while we sort of build our name and reputation as coaches, uh, we're literally going to be going around to a couple of the people that have referred clients to us uh, that are people that we have strong relationships with and starting with them as our sort of first coaching clients to offer them this service to improve the value of their business um, and hopefully build that sort of goodwill, uh, that desire to want to reciprocate, um, which the intent and hope is that that will just build a better, stronger relationships with those people who are already referring lots of clients with us. And then phase two, is to um, offer that to the other um, staffing agencies that we don't have a stronger relationship with um, as to to build further relationships with people who aren't making referrals to help us grow our practice. And stage three of that is to then go, okay, now we've built reputation, we've built uh, brand awareness, we've built credibility, then it becomes a paid service um, for the coaching in and of itself. And then we have a program that's not only driving revenue to the bottom line, but also furthering and um, sort of enabling and, and improving that relationship with those people who are the multipliers for our business. So I guess those are sort of the two biggest um, um, ways we're sort of diversifying. Um, can I, but diversifying, I can ask a question about that, Andrew? When you yeah. said coaching you're talking about other accounting professionals or you're talking about just your customers no so not our customers so the people who refer our customers to us is who will be coaching so the plan at this point is it to, to you're going to coach your referral sources we're going to coach our referral sources exactly okay and you're going to coach them on the john wirelow system of having automatic customers subscription type businesses and stuff like that Exactly. And, so we signed up for this program and, and we're registered for it. Yeah, I just want, go ahead. Go ahead. I wanted to ask you a follow-up question. Yeah. No, no. So, go ahead. So, so specifically staffing agencies, why? What, what's special about staffing agencies or what's the deal with staffing agencies and, and your firm? So the deal with staffing agencies and our firm, um, as like I said, there are, there are multiplier for us because our niche that we specialize in, which is IT consultants, um, these staffing agencies have relationships with hundreds, if not thousands, sometimes depending upon the size of the staffing agency, tens of thousands of these 
people who are our ideal target market. Um, now, in the past, we've always worked with them. We've done free webinars and lunches. We offer services, anything that we can do to help them succeed better because as they grow and succeed, um, the more that they grow, the better that they do, the more clients that they refer on to us. So we sit on boards of things like the National Association of Computer Consulting Businesses. I'm going out to a conference next week, which is all staffing agencies. Um, we'll, be, we'll be out there networking, talking with them. We do things like we um, put together a whole um, series of uh, webinars around something, a, a specific tax issue called personal service businesses, which was specifically built for them. It was a 100% free program to provide education and support for their recruiters, the people that work at their companies, as well as their clients. Um, and our model has always been, and it's, it's always worked tremendously well, is we don't charge the staffing agencies for anything that we do. If they ever need help or uh, holding hand, if, you know, we put together, you know, uh, PDFs and documentation around tax issues that they might have. We answer any questions that they might have. And that's always done for free um, to sort of build that relationship. And it's always paid for itself tenfold in the relationships and the referrals that they that they send over to us. In fact, like I said, right now, a third of our new clients, so you know, anywhere from uh, 30 to 40 new clients a year uh, are coming to us out of the relationships that we built with staffing agencies. Um, so the, the reason that it was a logical um, source to us was, one, they're in this target market that, uh, that John Warlow says is sort of the ideal market for this, this value builders program as far as revenue size. Um, two, we have established relationships with them. Um, so one of the things, the value builder program, it's a really interesting program, um, but sometimes you, you really have to have trust um, with the people that you're selling to, to encourage them to do take the, that first step with you because you're asking them to fill in this survey, which is not like a, you know, first name, last name, email address survey. I mean, this is a quite in-depth survey where they've got to go through an in-depth analysis of their business and break down what's going on with their business. Um, and then, you know, so you, you've got to have that trust um, to get that information um, and then be able to deliver on that information and, and show them the value. So it was, to me, low-hanging fruit as far as the relationships already being there with the trust, the fact that if we could help these people um, and, and if we could help these people for free, we wouldn't be just going out there wasting our time and energy because we could offer this service to free to, you know, the general public, but, and that would help us build credibility and reputation and brand awareness potentially, uh, but have sort of minimal impact on the bottom line and could ultimately be a waste of time and energy as we sort of built up that credibility. So I'm like, I wanted to kill two birds with one stone, build up that credibility, uh, but also help to further establish that relationship we have with the agencies. That's really, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I know in, in the U.S. there, there are a couple. I know at least one um, that of uh, staffing agencies, and their whole growth model was placing themselves in the office of CPA firms. That was their whole growth model. So they started in one CPA firm uh, in the East Coast, and I think they they did it through like an alliance, like the RSM Alliance or some specific alliance, mm -hmm. and. They basically said, "Hey, CPA firm, do you want to do you want to um, do you want to see a staffing firm 
um, in your firm, um, share revenue, um, uh, share some resources, but we'll basically place CFOs, controllers, accounts at your clients and, and do that search. And so the CPA firm doesn't have to feel like they have to create that capability internally. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe it's clear called, uh, one of them is called Creative Finance, uh, Finance Staffing Solutions here in the U.S. And they just grew very fast because of that model. They, and they were able to dominate. And when you're in the CPA office and clients are just walking in and going, oh, I need an accountant. Oh, I need a CFO. Um, and can you help us find one? It was just a great offering. It's a really brilliant, brilliant model um, of experimentation. And that's, you know, if, if you think about diversification and experimentation, we can think about partnerships and we've had, a, we've talked about this before, the different kinds of partnerships or creative partnerships you create. Well, that's another way you can actually get a customer or engage a customer. And so one of the things we launched about two months ago is we're right now, uh, we launched a company called Humanly and we're mimicking basically reconciled marketing and sales process, but for HR. And it's a completely separate company. We'll have completely separate staff but the model and the framework of remote distributed team, um, HR as a service, dedicated USB HR admin for working from home, but serving your, co- you know, serving your company, uh, we're able to cross sell those services and refer, refer to one another. You, you know, uh, the, only, the only related thing is common ownership. Uh, other than that, it's completely separate. And so different CEO and everything. So it's... Um, it's been great to watch customers who didn't know about reconciled, uh, but came in the door through HR and go, Oh, I also happen to need bookkeeping. Do you know somebody? Oh yeah. We happen to know somebody called reconcile. Um, so that's been really, really an, uh, an amazing thing. So partnerships or, or doing that. And that's, I think in, in this, I think for everybody and you know, I know you Canadians right now, the, you guys are kind of protected because Intuit's doing this test here <laughs> and, uh, right now. And they're going to not for long, you know, not for yeah, long. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, you know, you guys have opportunity right now to think through how do you diversify? How do I diversify what you're doing so that bookkeeping is not, you know, 80 to 90% of your offering, but it becomes 25% or 20%. And you've got other offerings that are as lucrative in the, in the process. And I'd say one thing that's, I guess the, the question for you guys is how, what's, what are the things that we're all doing different ways of diversifying? Um, but I think they all have something in common. Um, what do you see that, do you guys see anything that they have in common? I'd love, I'd love to hear what you think if, if, if any of the three things that we are all doing have in common, and I'll tell you what I think after I hear from both of you. Um, well, none of us mentioned any products. So these are all services. These are still... Yeah these all still take a um, knowledge or information, right? Uh, and we're selling access to our knowledge or information. But none of us have mentioned, I guess, product. the closest thing is Hector. He, he has, he's productized his videos into yeah. packages. So that's probably the closest thing I can think of. Um, but none of us has said, hey, we're going to start, you know, slinging books or we're going to start selling. <laughs> or rock. Yeah, or rocks or we're going to start <laughs> selling, you know, uh, branded laptops with, you know, our firm names on, I don't know, just like random stuff like that. Um, the I other think- thing that yeah. we had, I wanted to get my take on it. Yeah. Mike. yeah. The other thing that we might have in common is we're not going out of the limb and really doing something completely right. like we're diversifying <laughs> by slightly expanding, you know, something adjacent to what we already do. That sounds to be 
one of the things that we have in common. The other thing that we have in common is we're exploiting our network. Right. Right? We're, we're, we're putting our network to work in our favor. Um, I would say that and the, the, what, uh, what uh, Andrew was talking about, it's something to think about it. Diversification is not just on what you do on your customer. You also want to diversify your source of customers. So that's another area that you like, you could be really comfortable with one specific source of customers, but like, you know, you can have the, 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 let's say a CPA sends you a bunch of business and that CPA retires and not, not to say, you know, something else could happen to that person. So all, all of a sudden you don't have any more referral sources or you had a really good banker in bank of America and they get fired or they change careers. They were sending you business. So I think you also need to diversify and build multiple sources of referrals. And like Andrew said, you know, find ways to schmooze them, you know, add value, what, what, you know, do some research about whether they're staffing agencies or research about what they need and proactively say, Hey, Hey, I've, found some solutions to your common problems. I found some information out there that this might be helpful. You know, we would love to partner, you know, what, how can we get you customers? You know, what's your ideal client? Like if, if you're having a tough time finding customers, are you doing enough to make friends and build networks of referral sources? That's a really important thing. Yeah. I, I, I'd say, I, Hector, you were sort of going down the lines of that. What I was thinking is, that we're we're all seem to be leveraging some form of our existing strength, whether that's um, you know uh, our client group, uh, or in Michael's case, he's you know using a similar style or similar similar network, um, and being able to leverage off an existing strength that we already have or an existing relationship, as you pointed out, Hector. Because I think I was thinking we're leveraging and offering an existing strength, but ultimately it sounds like we're really all actually leveraging off existing relationships and being able to build up and improve those existing relationships to drive more revenue to the bottom line of our organizations. But I think ultimately when you're diversifying, um, you want to do that at least what I think, and it is just an opinion, is that if you're trying to diversify, you don't want to just be like, okay, let me pick a completely just arbitrary new line of business that I think I can drive revenue out of where I have no relationships, no experience, uh, no skill set, but, you know, it's completely different one than what I'm doing. So that's going to help protect me um, and diversify my risk because I've got this whole new product line, but yet I have no experience, no relationships, no ability to make sure that I can succeed in that area. You're trying to find some part or some new business where you can leverage your existing strength or your existing relationships uh, or your existing skills so that you can improve your probability of success because, uh, as we've all heard a million times over, one of five business one one in every five businesses will fail within five years, uh, or is it four out of five businesses will? Ha I think fifty percent of businesses will fail within five years is is what the thing is. Still a little tired here, um, but I think that that same thing applies to us diversifying into a new a new product line or a new service or whatever the case might be. You know, there's still that fifty percent chance that that idea that you have this new diversification strategy could fail within five years uh, unless you're leveraging an existing strength an existing relationship an existing skill but if you do that you substantially improve your probability of success if, if you do that um, but like i said that's just an opinion at this point i think i think one of the things that i've learned recently is the value 
the value of the, the stories that we've all experienced or the value of storying our experiences for other people to listen to and hear from. And that there is a market um, for, there's a market out there. There's out of the billions of people in the world um, and even the millions in your own country or area, there's a market of people that are willing to pay for the opportunity to hear your story articulated and to learn from that story and from those experiences. And, and that's something that I, I think I kind of forgot or threw away. And I realized that um, the, this past week and through multiple situations, but, you know, I, I guarantee you, um, and I bet there's people that would love to hear the stories and experiences you've gone through, Andrew, and you've gone through Hector, um, and would be willing to pay something for a curated version of that or a unique way of consuming that for their own benefit. And um, so that's something I'm real, really interested in is, is it's already free. It's in us, right? We've gone through it. We're the, you're the only one that's gone through your experiences and it's free it's free. Um, there's no cost to it except for your time to put it together and curate it for others to, to learn from. And that's one, and that's one that's, that no, uh, no bot can automate. They can't automate the fact that you are the only one that knows your own story. And uh, you have the, the ability to be super creative with that, that like no one else can. And no, no one can cannibalize that from you um and you can do it in multiple ways you, you took the words right out of my mouth right before you said that i was going to say you know we hear about uh automation 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 the computers and ai is going to replace us this and that well they're going to replace what we do on the computer but we're still going to be there and we're still going to be human beings interacting with other human beings that own the business and computers can't speak to anxiety and can't speak to the palpitations of the heart that you get from hearing somebody's amazing comeback story. You're absolutely right, man. The, the, the personal connections that we make is pretty much our shield against this eminent wave of bots and computers and AI taking over our jobs. They'll take over our jobs from what it looks like now, like the keystrokes that we enter, the data that we sync, the banks that we reconcile. Computers and technology will replace that but you will still need people to be dealing with people. Our job will just look different. But this is, this is more of a relationship business than it is a technology, a, a skill set, a knowledge. You know, like a lot of people say, oh, okay, accounting is a knowledge business. True. You know, what we know is what we market. But it's really just a relationship business because two people with a great relationship, but the accountant, the accountant can suck. But if if the customer loves the person, they're probably not going to get rid of them. I mean, they probably don't even know that the accountant sucks in the first place, you know? Um, so it's a relationship uh, business first. So I think that the best diversification you can make is make more friends, build more network, yep. yeah. connect with more people, right? You know, uh, Michael, Andrew, and I, we probably knew of, of, of each other's existence two years ago. And we forced ourselves to create something and now we have a great friendship and we invite multiple people to the podcast and we build new friendships. Mm -hmm. The whole industry needs to be doing this. We oh, yeah. to be, all the humans need to be getting together. So we are, because we're the ones that ultimately serve our customers, not the software companies, not the bots, not the 
artificial intelligence, regardless of how, how big they hit us or they can hit us. They can't replace humans doing business with mm-hmm. other humans. That's, that's great. And, and, and that kind of segue into a plug, you know, as we end our time, uh, um, on Monday, I leave for New Orleans and um, I'm attending this thing called Accounting Salon. That's the second time it's, it's happened. And that's something that Amanda Aguilard and David Leary and I think a few others put together, but it was kind of the brainchild of Amanda Aguilard, um, whose home is New Orleans. And so they, they, put, they invited 18 people um, last fall to their first accounting salon. It's basically people in the cloud accounting industry from a variety of backgrounds and approaches, app developers, bookkeeping firm owners, tax people, um, uh, podcasters, you know, uh, personalities, whatever. They're all specialists. So just 18. And then the second round, they invite an additional 18. And so there's gonna be 36 people at this next, this, this meeting I'll go to, and they'll keep growing in that way. And really the goal is exactly what Hector said. It's just build new relationships. So probably more than half, probably even two thirds of the people I, I maybe have heard their name, but I don't know them. You know, they're, they're in the zero world or they're in the app world. I've never met them, never heard of them. And I get this great opportunity to interact with them. Um, and in, in, you know, in a smaller venue, more intimate venue, intimate time. And so I think there is a hunger for that, those kinds of experiences because they are in contrast to the large mega conferences that we all attend. And we end up not really having a lot of deep, deep experiences <coughs> with they're in contrast <coughs> to that. And so that's uh, right on Hector, like about connecting, the more we can connect with more people, almost the more bulletproof you become because you start leveraging a bigger, bigger, wider network. Andrew, do you have any final words or any words of wisdom? Um, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's about building friendships and relationships. Um, you know, you, you look at the thought keepers, the uh, QuickBooks Live, these models are not about building relationships with people. It's a very transactional driven system. So if you're feeling threatened by the the evolution of our industry to that more transactional type of process the way to protect yourself from this evolution is to build deeper stronger relationships um don't try to fight the you know the tide or the evolution of what's going on by lowering your prices and competing with a transactional process because you'll never win that battle Um, you'll you'll win by uh, differentiating yourselves and, and one of the absolute best ways to differentiate differentiate yourself um, is by the depth uh, of those relationships that you have and Hector's you know so true that there's um, so many clients that will not leave you if they've got a re- great relationship with you because I can tell you firsthand I've had uh, situations where we've fucked up where we've made mistakes um, and there, and we had to own those mistakes, but we made legitimate mistakes that I would perfectly understand why if clients would up and leave us for those mistakes. And the reason that they stayed with us through those stakes was because of the relationships and friendships that we have with those people. And when you have that relationships with those people, um, they will go above and beyond in sticking with you because they want to maintain that friendship and that relationship. And whether that's living through a mistake that we've made that we had to own, um, or whether that's paying a higher price and a premium price to use your services over a transactional um, bot-driven process, 
that's going to be one of the big things that I think helps people to succeed when we're talking about competing against AI or competing against a more transactional driven process. And I know um, particularly with when we talk about QuickBooks Live, um, last week it was made very clear that when someone dials into QuickBooks Live, they might get a completely different person every single time that they uh, dial in. And I think that that's, that's uh, going to, it's going to destroy the opportunity to build a bond between that process. And it will be nothing more than a transactional uh, driven thing. And all the, the only thing that people who use that service will care about is how do I get that transactional driven service, that commodity for as cheap as possible. And quite frankly, even if you could be in that game, you'd be stupid to get in that game because it's a race to the bottom. um, And and you'll never be able to compete with mate, huge multi-billion dollar companies with much deeper pockets than you. So get into the game uh, that, you know, get away from this commodity driven competition and get into the relationship driven um, sales process uh, that will help you to differentiate yourself. And of course, you know, you can't just differentiate yourself based on relationships because you need to have that unique selling proposition, obviously. Uh, but the depth and breadth of your relationships, I think, will strongly determine your success. And I wanted to add to the skeptics that say, well, everybody talks about relationship building and, and you think relationship, you throw it out there like it's a simple thing to do. And relationship building takes too long and I'm too busy. And, um, you know, look, relationship building in summary means being genuine staying true to your word, do what you said you were going to do. Don't be honest. Everybody's honest, right? You want to be transparent, right? And the most important thing, immediately, as fast as possible, admit your mistakes. I, I would probably say that that is the biggest issue that professionals lack and why it makes it so hard to make, to build a relationship because they'll hide a mistake with the solution or they make excuses for it, or they try to blame it, blame the customer for it, or some shortcoming with the customer. Uh, relationship building in many, many times is just saying, you're, you're right, I, I don't know the answer to that. Let me get it. Or, and that's it. And it's as simple as that. And, and a lot of times people over, overcomplicate and overthink what a relationship is. It just, the other person feels like that, like when they need you and you tell them, yes, I can help you that they can not overall trust because like deep trust is complicated. Trust to your word, right? Like maybe you don't trust someone because you haven't met them enough, but you need to trust them enough that they say, yes, I can do this. You will do it. Or no, I can't. And they go, good. This person is putting my interest before their interest of just charging a quick buck. Or this person doesn't want to experiment with my business, which I find that valuable. Sometimes it's just admitting what you know and what you don't know. And, and I'm telling you more times that it, more times than not, customers will, will run towards that instead of against that. That's great, man. That's a great word. Thanks, guys. This has been a great, great conversation. And uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend and uh, looking forward to next week. Yeah, I'm hoping we might have some, uh, some awesome guests. We've got a couple of requests out there for some big, big names. 
Um, so I, I have some high expectations for some big names on our guests next week. So everybody stay tuned and dial in next week. And, and Michael, thank you for putting together the FNL page. Um, so I'm excited to see that. And I think now we've got a place for people who want to go and watch the repeats. Yes. Uh, where they can go in and dial and see all and those share, historic and share. episodes. Get and more share. likes. Yes, and yeah. share. <laughs> all right. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Good night. Bye, guys.